I've hired a developer and he actually built his own website version of rock, paper, scissors. That was like, for me, it was a done deal after that. And it's a simple thing, but this is just like incredible marketing that you can do as a developer selling yourself. Welcome to the Grant Owen Podcast, where we explore the world of entrepreneurship. Join us as we dive into the nitty gritty of what it takes to start, grow, and scale a successful business. We're on a mission to share our experiences, failures, insights, and advice with others. Whether you're just starting out in your entrepreneurial journey, or you're looking to take your business to the next level, tune in and join the conversation about what it takes to succeed in the world of business. Welcome to the Grant Owen Podcast. It is such a pleasure to have you. Um, man, I, the, the, reason I love, I, the reason I love doing these is because I get to give you, the audience, access to people that are really impressive, that are doing really cool things to help you learn about cool things and to help you have vision for when you're in this state of, I want to do this and I don't know how. I love giving you access to people that have been there and done that. So today, and, and, and as always, I, I, I open the episode with this each time, but... I appreciate your likes. I appreciate your shares. I appreciate your comments. It's an, and that helps the podcast. It really does. But what's most important to me is that if someone benefits from this conversation, um, and you can think of one other person that should hear this, that applies to them, and you think that they would get value from it, send it to them. That's all I ask. More than the likes, all that other stuff, I appreciate that's all added. That's extra. What's more important to me is the people that need to hear this, hear it. So... Please, if you think someone will benefit from hearing about Mark and his story um, and his expertise, send it to them. Um, Mark, I'm so glad to have you. Thanks for giving me your time. Thanks for giving me your energy. Thanks, Rand. Love being here and appreciate the invite. It's a pleasure. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, so let's, uh, let's give me a little bit of a background uh, for, for people that don't understand about, uh, the, like, about your space and your industry. Tell me a little bit about what you guys do and the problem that you're solving. Okay, so what we do, um, my background's in IT. I've worked in tech almost all my life, so more than 25 years already. Um, big corporate background and came from there. I started my own company, Tyree, early this year. What I do, um, I help startups with their software development needs, with software developers, and we do that from the Philippines. Um, do that with the Philippines for a couple of different reasons. First of all, I really started the company to help other people, um, help those software developers um, further in their career, develop further, learn soft skills. Um, that's why I started, and that's also, but of course there needs to be a front side to that as well. So that's why we're working with startups to uh, actually pay for them. Yeah, so tell me, tell me about like the kinds of startups that you work with or the kind of people that would benefit from this. So like, uh, are there like, uh, something that is obvious to me, right, is that if you're just starting a company, and I'm feeling this too, mm -hmm. like you, you feel the you feel the impact of payroll, and you're like, man, yes. the idea of like I need to make progress on this, but I'm usually thinking from like an MVP perspective where I'm trying to get the minimum viable product, right, and I'm or I'm trying to just say like how can I get to that with the least amount of money and the best results possible. So tell me like. Yeah, t talk to me through like the type of startups that, that would really benefit from working with you guys. Okay, so the type of startups we work with, I think there's a couple of different ones. Most of them actually have a developer slash CTO slash someone in there already, somebody who actually built the MVP themselves. Um, I mean, that's the first stage. After that, you need to actually professionalize. 
Um, so to give an example, one of the startups we work with, they've built their MVP. Um, it was built very, very quickly. It's actually working. So they have some product market fit and they decided to completely rebuild. So they're looking for a full-time developer to actually completely rebuild the platform. It was originally on PHP, and I want to do it on a, on a whole different platform. They need to rebuild it, professionalize it. Um, so I think that's one of the startups. To give you an example of another startup we work with, it's a developer who actually still has a full-time job. He built a side hustle himself, uh, was spending 10, 20 hours a week doing both the development, um, customer supports, the sales, getting new customers and he was running out of time. Um, yeah. He said, so Mark, can you help me find somebody so I can actually hand over a lot of my development work to someone else so I can really focus on all of my front-end uh, customer supporting yeah. sales acquisition tasks. Yeah. So I think those are some examples. Also working with some others, I mean, we also have some larger clients that already are a bit further along. They have significant revenue um, and they just need software developers to build new features. They've actually launched a whole new platform recently, a second product, um, and they have a team of about five developers already. And that's where we help them as well, just finding those developers. So I think it's, it's a bit of a different skill, but those are the types of startups that we work with. Most yeah. are, all of them actually are in the, in the staff space. Love that. Love that. So um, with that in mind, like, can you, can you walk me through your process of finding developers? I think that would be a difficult thing for people to, like, I, most people would say, yeah, I would love to have access to quality people in different countries, mm -hmm. right? They just don't know where to start, and they don't want to go into Upwork and, and, and handle all that mess. So, I, like, I, how do you go about finding the right people? I can imagine. I've been in Upwork and had my, my own personal bad experiences there, never going there again. Um, <laughs> so why uh, or how do I do that? First of all, I have a network. Um, I have a network from my past in the Philippines. I've had a, even in my corporate life, I've met quite a few people there already. Um, so I think that's that's one thing I do. I really like referrals most of all. So if my existing developers know someone and they they suggest someone, I think that's that's my best way of finding new people. Um, there's also all the same platforms that we have in like in the US or in Europe, like Indeed or LinkedIn um, that I use. And, and there's other platforms. So there's quite a few platforms that you use. Um, I just do my job post there and I just describe what I need. That's the first step. And then um, I get my answers, right? I get a couple of people applying. Second step, I mean, I scan like anyone would do uh, the resumes. Um, I always ask for resumes, want to see the experience, where they've worked, what technologies they've worked with, what they've done. I always interview. I select the best three, four, five um, out of that. And I do all the interviews myself. I just started myself. It's just me right now. Um, so I do all the interviews. I interview everyone. I've hired in my career, even here in the Netherlands, I've hired dozens of people. I've had dozens of job interviews in the past. So I grill them. What have they actually done? What's their experience? I have quite a technical background myself as well. Um, so I go through that in, in the tech as well. Um, in that interview, after that, we actually go and propose them to our clients. Um, often our clients do an interview as well course and they may have other questions which I like as well sometimes I get surprised by the questions they ask and uh, yeah that's that's how we get through the process um, yeah and I think it, as my network grows it becomes easier and easier to find people there but I think a network is important yeah you need to start somewhere yeah so what so with that in my mind I'm thinking like it, there's probably a bad taste that gets left in people's mouths when you say the word outsource mm -hmm. or you say like let's outsource to another country right there's just a bad connotation talk to me about that talk to me about uh about why you think that's wrong um so first of all 
um, here in the Netherlands. I mean, in the US, it's probably a bit better with all of the tech layoffs last year. But here in the Netherlands, it's impossible to find developers. I mean, we currently have an enormous job shortage across the board, right? That goes from uh, bars and restaurants to IT. IT is especially bad. Finding a developer here is next to impossible. If you do find somebody, they're really expensive. Um, so it's, I mean, you can try that, but I think the best option is to go abroad. Um, there's a lot of developers here in Eastern Europe. They're also becoming increasingly expensive, but a lot of good developers. And then there's, there's Asia as well. I think it is a, I don't think there's an option at this point. Um, if you want developers, they're going to be hard to find in the Netherlands. You have to go abroad. And I personally really love the Philippines and I love the mentality there. I love the people there. And that's why I ended up there. So what, uh, talk to me about like, talk to me about that and the, the, the I've, I've <laughs> talked to, yeah, some people tell me, they say, I would rather hire somebody from the Philippines than hire somebody from the United States. Um, I've never hired somebody from the United States, but let's talk about the Netherlands. Um, there's a lot of really incredible developers here um, in the Netherlands as well. I mean, they're extremely smart, but you pay for that as well. I mean, an average developer here will go yeah. for 100 euros, 100 US an hour. Um, an expert developer, 125, 150 an hour, right? So you pay for that. Um, there are some really good developers there. I think there's a, maybe a sense of entitlement, but I don't really see that too much with the developers here locally. Um, why I love the Philippines? Um, I think for a couple of reasons. Well, first of all, I love the mentality. The people there are really, they're loyal. Um, they're really, let's say, service-oriented, so they really want to help. Um, they're really going to go all out to help you, uh, to meet the requirements, to do their best, and I love the mentality. Um, yeah, it's a... Uh, and, and the skills are at least as good as the ones here. I mean, the, the people that I work with have five years experience, 10 years experience. They work with often Philippine companies. They've worked for, there's a lot of outsourcing companies in the Philippines as well. So I see people that have worked for big outsourcing companies um, that we all know. They have often worked already for either US clients or Australian clients. Um, their English is really good. So I think basically it's, it's a really good choice. And yeah, I just love the people there. They're really friendly. They're nice, hardworking, and often really smart. So ethically, how do you how do you handle the objection of like, uh, you know, just the idea that you're going to pay someone for the same job a lot less because the the rates and you know for whoever I'm <coughs> guessing you're working with people in the Netherlands or people people in different countries, yeah. right? That that their general rate would be much higher, and you're basically it's not pennies mm -hmm. on the dollar, but um, but it's a lot cheaper. True. Um, so first of all, I mean, I do compare the rates that I pay to like what is the average salary in the Philippines. Um, and if I compare what I pay, I mean, I pay senior developers. So the rates that I pay are significantly higher than what they would make somewhere else. Um, the salaries that I pay are the end of upper class to maybe even above that. So the people that I work with are not even middle class anymore. They're making more than what a middle class income actually is. It's actually lower upper class income. Uh, that I pay them. So I'd say that's that's the first. Um, the rates that I pay, I always try to pay a little bit more than market rate, um, but I can't go. I mean, if I would go and pay somebody $100 an hour, I think that would be, people would be absolutely shocked. So I, it is market relevant rates that I pay. I try to pay a little bit better than a market, but I can't go and pay. Um, I mean, people would be shocked if I paid US or European rates there. I do hope, and that's my hope for the future, 
that in 20, 30, 40 years that equals out, um, that we're going to need developers from everywhere and that people over there are going to make the same amounts that we make over here. In Europe, that has actually happened. So if we look at, for example, countries that are close to, to me, like Poland, 10, 15 years ago, their rates were substantially lower than what we paid over here. That's equaled out. I think they're getting close to what we're paying here in the Netherlands. And I hope that that trend expands to other countries like the Philippines, like India, um, and that people are going to make the same amounts. That's awesome. Well, yeah, so I'm, I'm drilling you on this, mm -hmm. but I have my opinion on it too. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm, I'm giving you the objections yeah. that I, I hear from other people. The truth is that there are VAs, mm -hmm. and I'm saying virtual assistants, not just developers, because you're talking about as developers. It is a different thing. Um, People, there's virtual assistants, there are uh, analysts. Um, in, in my case, I have editors, right? Like, mm -hmm. there's, there's people that I have access to that are more skilled than talent that I've seen in the US. Yeah. And I, I, I will say, like, I can, I can really only speak to, you know, you're speaking to your experience in the Netherlands. Uh, Americans are fairly lazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> the majority, like, in, in general, like, from a cultural perspective, the way that Americans mm -hmm. approach work more often than not, and I'm actually going to say it, yeah. the way Americans approach work is that they want to do as little as possible and get as much as they possibly can. Yeah. That's just the, it's very less service oriented. It's, it, there's fewer people that are saying, I really want to do a really great job and I really want to over deliver yeah. on this and I really want to, I, I really want to work my ass off and I'm willing to, I'm willing to, uh, you know, get paid mm -hmm. appropriately for that. More people are saying, how much can I get paid for the least amount of work I have to do? Which I can't blame, but that's just the societal um, norm. And so the, the cool part is that I've, I've interacted with more people where they've, they're saying my, my entire business is run by not, I, I don't call them mm -hmm. even VAs, they're teammates. Yeah. They're, I, have like a, I have a team of six to 10 people in the Philippines and they're, a fraction of the cost, they cost about mm -hmm. the same as one employee yeah. would, and they work so much harder, and they're so much yeah. better. Um, and and I, I just think, like, that's, I, that's a hot take. Mm -hmm. Like, if I say that on LinkedIn, people won't like it, because I, if I'm saying Americans are lazy and people should hire from the Philippines... That, that from, a, from a political correctness mm -hmm. perspective... <laughs> that's... Right, like that's just not a thing that you want to you want to say because uh, the reality is like uh, I would stop doing it if if either of those things aren't true. But the reality, like my experience, has been the case where it's like every person I've hired from the Philippines has been awesome. Yeah. They've been really incredible. I've had to let go some people, and I've promoted more mm -hmm. people than I've let go. Yeah. But that's <laughs> that's rare compared to to other yeah. things. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think so have you? Would you agree with that kind of sentiment? I think if I look at the Netherlands, there, there's a bit of a difference here. Um, we have quite a few freelancers here as well. So if I look at people in employment, um, I think there you might see those kinds of people that are lazy. Not all of them, right? But you do see those people. They're, they're happy to put their time in from 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, or 4 days a week, or 3 days a week, or whatever they work. We also have a lot of freelancers, and they will put in their hours. They will charge. Right? They're happy to work on a Sunday, um, but you'll pay the eight hours that they work on Sunday. So you're going to pay for every hour that they work, but they're happy to put the time and effort in. Um, they're expensive, um, and I think lazy, not necessarily. The people that I work with in the Philippines, um, I mean, they will go over and above. If you ask them to work the weekends, they'll say yes, absolutely. 
Um, I'd rather not because I don't believe that I should ask my people to work on the weekends or work 60, 70 hours a week if I don't have to. But they're really dedicated. They were hardworking. If something needs to be done, they'll do it. They'll go in, they'll go over and above to make sure that it gets done. And I love the mentality. Um, I think in terms of how, how smart and bright they are, absolutely. I mean, um, they have at least the same experience as the people that I work with over here. 10 years of experience is, is normal over there. Um, they all have a bachelor. They all have been highly educated. They have excellent English. And I just love the quality of their work. Um, it often is just so good. And like you say, I can, for what I would pay here for one developer, I can here hire four to six developers over there and get like four to six times the output from the one developer that I would have over here. So from the one developer, I can hire yeah. almost a whole team over there and the output's just going to be amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I understand why larger corporations view things the way they view things. And there's a priority mm -hmm. of culture. There's a priority of everybody has to be here. It's the same reason why people don't do remote work because they want to say, let's house a community, let's make a company culture, yeah. and the larger it is, the, the tighter we have to make it. I think for anybody that's in that small to mid-size, it's foolish mm -hmm. to not first consider having, having a team of yeah. VAs. It's, it, and I, I say VAs, mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that in a negative vernacular sense, I'm saying that in a yeah. teammate sense. Like My, my, my uh, first VA that I hired, I, she, became, I, she was an mm -hmm. analyst, and then she became a manager, and then she became my executive assistant. And now she, you know, like, so I, I never called her, hey, you're my mm -hmm. virtual assistant, because I hated, I don't know, I, there was a negative connotation with that, right? But like, she was doing the role, and yeah. frankly, she was doing the role better than if I had hired it to somebody mm -hmm. else. And I, I wish that, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I just, I, I think it's foolish for companies not. to not, first consider you know especially mm -hmm. tech startups like yeah. exactly what you're saying in, in, in your demographic um and i don't know if you know this but the bigger the bigger people are doing it mm -hmm. google amazon uh they uh, all of this ai wave that's happening all of the ChatGPT, all these tools that all these ais that are being created they're being tested by uh by people overseas yeah. That's the majority of it. They're being, all these AIs are being created and it's not bec from developers in the US. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's some developers heading it up, but the majority of people testing and iterating and doing a lot of the, doing a lot of the effort on it are people in the Philippines and these yeah. other countries. And, and so, um, yeah, I just, I, yeah, mm -hmm. I want to remove that stigma because I think you're totally right. There's really great people that you can access. And that's also how I get started. I mean, in, in the bigger corporates, there is a lot of outsourcing, right? So back when I was working for uh, a big corporate, we had this big SAP environment, um, completely different thing. And it was outsourced and we had a team of 50 to 70 people in the Philippines. Um, I mean, having that same team in the Netherlands would probably couldn't afford it anyway. Uh, would have been really expensive. This team was just amazing. Um, I mean, they gave us continuous suggestions, how to improve, how to make it better. Um, I just love working with those people, and that was that was probably my best outsourcing contract ever. Um, it was just a dream come true, um, and I just loved it. And they were always working. I mean, if we needed somebody in the middle of the night or a Sunday morning when something broke down, they were there. They would answer the phone. They would pick up. They would get behind the laptops and just fix whatever needed fixing. When sometimes when I needed my team here, um, couldn't always reach them. So that was yeah. That's how I got started. That's how I actually got in touch with the Philippines, um, and I've loved them ever since.
Yeah, and that's actually another cool element is that is that they the schedule is opposite. Mm-hmm. So in, in the United States, right um, where I live, and East East Coast, right, but like the time difference is exactly twelve hours. But it's cool because essentially you can double your time because you end your project and you say, okay, I need all these pieces to be done in order to continue. And over the time of you sleeping and resting, you have your team working and then you're able to just kind of execute. And so that way you kind of stay in execution mode and you're able to leverage so Mm -hmm. much more time. Um, Talk to me about, like, in your opinion, what's more valuable? Should someone hire, if you have access to one expert, like senior developer that really does know their stuff, or you can access a pool of people, which one do you think is more valuable in your eyes? Um, so, I mean, if you have the budget, right? One senior developer here or in the US or in the Netherlands or a pool of people um, there, I would always go for the second one. I mean, just the amount of work that four or five people can accomplish as a team is just absolutely amazing. Um, I would always go for that one. Just the output of even one person is astonishing sometimes. But having a whole development team over there at the same cost, I mean, I've, it's just amazing what they put out on a weekly basis. It's, uh, yeah, it always surprises yeah. me every week again how much they do, how much work ends up getting done at the end of the week. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's always number one. How do you approach, uh, how do you approach your, like, one-on-ones? How do you approach, like, progress and development? You said, mm-hmm. like, soft skill development is a big priority yeah. for you. So how do, how have you approached that with your team? So still getting started. Um, actually my first priority, I started my business like early this year. Um, so my first priority past six, seven, eight months has really been marketing and sales, um, getting the, the clients sorted because that's the first priority. It was new to me as well. Um, so, I mean, I've been in corporate life, never really, my background's in tech, never had to do much in marketing and sales. So that was my first priority. Actually now have all of that in place. So, I mean, my, my sales is running, my marketing is running, websites all set up and done. I completed my first actual internal hire today, so I'm um, going to sign a contract hopefully tomorrow. So I actually hired an a- HR manager slash recruiter in the Philippines. He is absolutely amazing, so I can't wait to see what he's going to do. Um, so together with him, I have like so many ideas that I want to do around training, uh, around knowledge, around sharing all of my experience. I just want to put all of that into into training and sharing and give that to everyone that I work with. Um, so that's the first thing that I'm going to do. Um, second, what I really want to do and I'm really looking forward to is creating a broader mailing list uh, audience of all of the developers in the Philippines and actually make sure that they also get access to that same set of information, even if they're not working for me yet. Um, of course, that's also great for recruiting, but it also really helps me to share uh, what I want to share with all of the people over there. So I'm kicking that off right now. Well, let, let me, let me, mm-hmm. let me dive into that. What do you want to share? What, what is lacking that you want to help? I think there's actually a lot of small things that I continuously see over there um, that I think people could just do so much better. And let me give you a couple of examples. Um, people show up on a conference call and either lighting isn't good, um, the camera isn't good, audio isn't good, they haven't tested it. And that's very basic. And I mean, every person, that I've worked with over here, knows how to set up their Teams, Google Meet, Zoom, whatever, um, and has that done right. I don't see that very often over there. Um, LinkedIn profiles, often not updated, outdated, or don't exist at all. Um, So people actually aren't doing too good at marketing and selling themselves. Um, 
some other things, proactive communication, right? Just at the end of the week, sending an email, this is what I've done, this is where I am, this is what I've learned, or these are the questions that I have, and making sure that you send that across to the clients, person, customer you're working with. Um, simple, proactive communications, when I reach out for questions, asking for feedback, right? So I don't see a lot of people over there, and that's also a bit the Asian culture, but I don't see them asking for feedback, saying, what could I do better? What could I learn? What do you actually suggest that I do? And feedback is just so incredibly valuable. You can learn so much from a, especially a client over here, that can give you feedback as a developer. Yeah. Um, some other things, and this is this is a really fun story. I've hired a developer uh, a couple of months ago, and he actually built his own website version of rock, paper, scissors. It's a Filipino site, but he built that, right? So somewhere in his uh, resume, it said, I've built this website. It's rock, paper, scissors. Go over here. Just try it out i mean that was like for me it was a done deal after that i played the game played like twice or three times for me it was a done deal right i mean he was amazing he built this amazing website how can i not hire him and it's a simple thing i have no idea how much time he spent it was one of his side projects for a while but this is just like incredible marketing that you can do as a developer selling yourself um yeah and it's these and they're very simple things they don't take a lot of time i yeah, it's a lot of those things. Um, proactive communication, feedback, selling and marketing yourself that I really want to help them with. I mean, they can learn their skills, of course. They are extremely technical. They know all the text, their tech stuff. It's just all the soft side. Um, yeah, marketing and selling, feedback, communication, all the stuff that I've learned in my career that I want to share. I love it. I love it. Do you think... Um, yeah, What? What? You, you mentioned that you think the future for development is going to equal stabilization uh like across mm -hmm. the board in terms of like work uh work stabilization and, and likely compensation as well what do you think uh, i guess the need to outsource <clears throat> is never going to go away because it's always existed how do you think it's going to evolve in the next the next five ten years so I've read these stories, right? Um, we now have AI with, with Copy and everything else, and the need for developers is going to lessen, and we're not going to need as many developers. Um, honestly, I don't buy that. I think the need for developers has grown over the past 20, 30, 40 years. Um, I'm sure that AI is going to make them more efficient. I don't think we're going to need fewer developers. I think our world is, is digital. It's going to get worse and worse. Um, so the amount of developers that we're probably going to need, even with the help of AI, I think it's going to continue to grow for the next decades um, at least. So I think with that, um, we're going to need more developers. And like I said, we have a bit of an issue on the, the, the Western world where um, people are retiring and uh, we don't have enough new young people coming into the market. There's been, I mean, here in the Netherlands, <clears throat> there's been a lot of push, even since I was young, um, there's been a lot of push to try to get people into STEM subjects, IT developers or some of the other subjects, and it's just not working out. I mean, everybody here wants to go into soft skills, um, marketing, sales, management, leadership. I think there's a, people are desperate for really good technical people that actually know what they're doing. So I think if you want to build a career, even here in the Netherlands, uh, but also if you're in, in Asia, I think that's the field to go into. And I don't think that's going away anytime soon. I just don't buy it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, you're talking about, like, a lot of people say this with AI in general. AI will advance mm -hmm. a lot in terms of, every, like, everything that utilizes AI will see a compounding effect where there's going to be giant yeah. leaps, where it's, it's not... It, 
it's not like you introduce this new thing and it's 10, 20 years until it changes. It's like the rapid increase, like, yes, a tool might be, might, might not be very mm-hmm. useful its first year, yep. but you're not going to just see a 2x multiple of, it's like, it's going to be like so much more advanced. So in that, in that, in that perspective, like, I imagine the need for people to leverage mm-hmm. AI, not just build tools, but like leverage AI and that's going to be more of an important thing. Do you, what do you, what do you think about like, I imagine there was a wave of web three development with mm-hmm. crypto stuff, with blockchain stuff. Do you think like if you had to compare web three development versus AI development, which one do you think is going to be more beneficial to the outsource community? Which one, which one's going to be more intensive and involved? So I think, um, to be honest, AI development, AI development, well, and let me split AI development into two different things. There's a lot of people that are using AI models, right? That are making use of the ChatGPT, the OpenAI APIs. And I would say that's almost standard development, making use of other APIs and accessing models, I'd say is, is standard development. If I look at the vacancies that are coming up now, um, so the actual language model engineers, the real AI engineers, I think that's those people are, there. there's such an enormous shortage of that. Um, so, and I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. So I think the number of people that we need that are going to build those models, advance those models, I mean, it's a skill. It's a whole different skill than just a software developer. Understanding AI models, is, uh, yeah, it's a whole different skill and you need to learn that. I think that's more than learning just something like Solidity. And I don't want to say Solidity is easy. If you compare it to building an AI model, Solidity is actually a lot easier to learn. Um, so I do see an enormous shortage in AI engineers, um, but I, I see that all across the world. So uh, I say, if you want to learn something new, that's where to go. That's where to go. What? Uh, yeah. What? Talk to uh, talk to my audience of people. Like mm-hmm. I have, I have people that are probably that are developers that listen to this, um, and a lot of them get stuck trying to figure out what they want mm-hmm. to do. Because they have an idea of like I, I have the skill set. I can do this. They're they're. It's difficult for them to connect the. I'm building a tool and it's going to be leveraged by this audience. Like I'm building a tool that this audience mm-hmm. wants that has a product market fit. Versus I have the capability of building anything and I don't really know where yeah. to start. Um, developers, it sounds like in your eyes, can build MVPs mm-hmm. of stuff and then access teams. Yeah to help them scale. Do you think that should be pursued more? Like should developers work with people like you to, to, to scale up what they're trying to build in terms of these side hustles and these side projects? So, um, and let me give you an example. So I've just, I love, I also love mentoring and coaching uh, others, young startups. Um, I do the pro bono because I mean, they're not, uh, they're not into revenue. Uh, they're just building their stuff. I'm currently working with a, uh, a startup that's built a nice app and it's actually it's a it's a sports related app and they actually sell that to to organizations it's like a vitality uh, health app for companies and they've built the app and they're actually focusing a lot on building new features extending the app um, I spoke to them and actually there's two founders so one is actually technical and the other is like the marketing and sales guys 
in the feedback that I gave them, I said, maybe you should stop building new features. Maybe you should listen in your sales conversations, right? Um, and that's why we hear quite a bit in the sales conversations. What are the sales objections you actually get? So why aren't people building yet? What is it that you haven't built that you surely probably should be building? I say, that's one source where you should be looking for new features. And the other one is your existing customers. They actually have 20 customers already. Ask those customers, what is it that they would actually extend their contract for, um, ex yeah, buy for, uh, or that they would actually recommend it for? Um, and lastly, the people that actually leave or the companies that quit. So I'd say the most important thing for anyone is just speaking to their customers, um, either from the sales objection or the existing customers and learning what they actually want. So anyone that is a developer that wants to build something, start with an idea. Um, and from there, just speak to customers. I'd say before you do anything, uh, speak to 50 customers. Um, I love uh, Harvard Kahl. I don't know if you've read his book, uh, Zero to Solve. I love that book. He's actually a developer himself and he talks about how he's actually done this. Um, I just love the book for talking about this. I mean, they start with a problem. The first thing they do is actually talk to all of the people involved um, and get what is it that we actually should be building? What are the problems you're facing? And start building from there. I don't think developers should build something and then go to market. Start talking to customers mm. before you do anything else. Always. Mm. So and beta users. Yeah, I like that. And where you find them, I think that's the question. Um, I know that a lot of developers maybe aren't comfortable um, talking, going out there, speaking to to fifty different customers, finding them, talking them. Just find somebody else to partner up with. I'd say that's probably the best suggestion to go um, if you aren't comfortable doing it yourself. So. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, talk to me about your vision. You, you said like your, your mission is mm -hmm. to help people. That can mean a lot of different things and it can look a lot of different ways. Right now you're doing it and it's in a micro sense because you have your team, you have the developers, you have the referrals of people that access you and then you have your clients. Um, and then you have additional consulting things that you do. What, if you were to scale this the way that you'd like to scale it, and mm -hmm. I'm not just talking revenue numbers, I'm talking about like impact level. What is that? What do, what does that look like to you? Like, what is if you can envision what the next yeah. few years look like of, so, of building? Currently this out? working with about ten developers. Um, started at the beginning of this year. Currently working with about ten developers. Um, I don't see. I wanted to start slowly, right? I mean, especially on the sales and marketing side, I didn't want to go all out. Uh, I want to start slowly. Make sure that stuff works. Make sure that I have all the process in order. Um, I want to start now also on the backend stuff, the HR, the coaching, the training, make sure that I get all my models in order before I scale. Um, I hope to get that all in place by the end of the year. That's the plan at least. After that, there's no reason why the model can't scale. Um, so I don't see any challenges with going to from 10 to 100 um, over the next year, two years. Um, I will see where to go from there. But I think that's absolutely my, uh, my ambition and I have no reasons why that wouldn't work. So that's the minimum goal. Um, yeah. My actual goal for next year is 60. 60? Yep. So 60, 60, developers. 60 contractors, yeah. 60, 60 people. developers yeah. working for me, working for actual clients. Um, and on the other side, paying them, paying them, make sure they have enough money uh, for them and their families to take care of them. And of course, also having access to all of our training materials. Yeah, but that's a that. one year goal. And then uh, you said you said six sixty in one year. What do you want to do in the next five ten years? I have no idea where this is going to stop. Um, so I don't see a limit, to be honest. Um, right, and 
If I look at my past, I mean, I've worked for Accenture as well. Um, when I joined Accenture, and this was like in 2006, they had 85,000 people. I was looking at their numbers recently. They have 725,000 people globally working for them. I think it's an absolutely ridiculous number. Um, but in my view, I mean, and there's no way that my company is going to get 725, right? So don't get me wrong. But there is no limit. Um, I mean, 500 yeah. to 1,000 is not a big IT services company, right? It's still a, a quite a small company, um, in my view, in my perspective, and, and the world that I come from. Yeah. What is a, do you think there's going to be an importance for you to hire different roles within your IT team, like instead of branching out and having it be beyond just developers? Yeah, um, quite a few. Um, so I think I still, I do want to stick to, to software development for now, at least the foreseeable future. Uh, that does mean a couple of different roles. So I do see it branching out to project managers, product managers. Um, of course, I do see it branching out to UI, UX designers, um, QA engineers, scrum masters. So there's a lot of different roles. I do want to be able to provide like full end-to-end -end teams that can do anything, that can just take a whole product and do everything integrated. So I would love to get to the integrated teams in not too long a time. Yeah. Love it, love it. Yeah, I, mean, I, have, uh, I have someone that, that I've had on the podcast before uh, that you should connect with. His name is Graham uh, Barlow. He's in, he's in our, our, our community. Cool. And I think, uh, I think what he's done, and he has a different take than you, which I'd be interested to hear how you guys would mm -hmm. talk about it. Because he, his opinion, he has a similar thing where it's not similar, it's, it's an agency model, right? So it's, he, it's an IT services, IT development agency model where, where people pay him uh, to access a development mm -hmm. team and basically hire a development team. But his selling point is that it's all exclusively within his own team and within their own house and their long-term contracts, and it's exclusively people that are in Canada. So the developers are in Canada. It's all people that are, like, he. his perspective of what he's had is he hasn't had as much success accessing communities of people. And I would argue, to your mm -hmm. point, um, that probably the reason he hasn't had access to levels of people is because if you go to sites like Upwork, uh, you're not going to find them. That's not where it is. Like there is so many people mm -hmm. where it's like, okay, you you find someone that's awesome, and they have a community of people that they know very similarly to them that are also awesome. Yeah. And so you really have to find that one person in order mm -hmm. to access that pool of people that are great that you're not going to find on Fiverr, yeah. Upwork, or any of these other job sites. Um, so let me answer the agency model first. Um, Quite a few people that I've met have had some bad experiences with agencies, um, and that's why I'm a bit careful to call myself an agency. Why? What you see with agencies is that people give their, their work, their projects to an agency. Um, they actually interface with a senior developer, um, but actually what you will often see, um, and I'm not saying that Graham is doing this, right, but what we'll often see is that the senior developer spends maybe one or two hours a week on the client and actually all of the work gets done somewhere behind the scenes by a very junior developer um, and a quality that you get back may not necessarily be what you're looking for. I always tell my clients that I provide named people. So uh, you will know who you're working with. They're working directly for you. Um, and it could be five hours a week. They could be 40 hours a week. That's all okay. Um, but there will be a name team and you will know every single person if you want to. I mean, every single person that is actually working for you. So there's always a, a name team. That's one thing I do. Um, and it's really important to me that, that they're named individuals. The second thing that I've seen uh, and that I've actually heard from a client that I'm working with, they actually had their 
agency develop a whole app for them. Um, when they were done, they actually wanted to move it back in-house. They really struggled to get the code out. Um, so actually getting back their old code, um, the code for the apps that, that yeah. was developed for them by the agency was quite tough as well. So I know that there's a lot of good agencies out there. Um, I do think it's something to be careful with. On the community side of things, I do think, I mean, I have no challenges getting in touch with a lot of very senior, experienced developers in the Philippines, um, maybe of the community that I found already, but there is a lot of really good developers there and have no issue finding them. Yeah. I, I, I want to ask you, though, what stops a company from skipping you? So like, what stops a company if they know the developer, mm -hmm. if they have direct access to the developer, if they build a relation with the developer, right? What stops them from saying, hey, we'd rather just have you in-house because we like working yeah. with you? Um, so I think there's, there's a couple of different things. First of all, for a company here to actually, I mean, um, you have to find a developer in the Philippines or somewhere else, right? Um, you can go to Fiverr or Upwork. Um, I don't think they're necessarily the best platforms to go with either. Um, what I do is like a really personalized approach. I will interview the people uh, for you. I will make sure that they have the right credentials, that they are who they say they are. Um, so about my experience on Upwork, I actually hired someone and right the day after I get an email from Upwork that they're not who they say they are, their credit card's been blocked um, and that they can't work for me, right? And this is after I actually hired them through Upwork. So that was my last time ever hiring someone at Upwork. I've had better experience on Fiverr, but that was like for short, like short things, logo design, other things. Um, so skipping me in, I mean, after that in my contracts, I do ask when we start with somebody, I ask that they work to us for a developer for a year. Um, and I'm okay for actually for them to, after that year, to go and hire them and work for them directly. Um, still contracting, hiring somebody in the Philippines is tough. Um, I've had to make quite an investment when I started in, in legal fees to make sure that I have something that works. My clients work with me. Um, I'm a local company I'm in the Netherlands. We work under Dutch law. Um, they pay me in, in euros uh, and that's all very easy for them. Hiring a developer is somewhere else in a country that's not even in the EU is legally not that easy. Um, so you need to figure that part out. Um, yeah, it's it's not that easy hiring somebody over there and getting it all legally sound and closed. Um, mm. Yeah, so I think that's why. I mean, I'm, I make that really easy for them. So they send, they tell me what they want. Yeah. I go and find the right person. I actually present it to them. But I do think I love it. I love if it. they I want to stay work with them for the next five to ten years, I will make sure after that first year to facilitate that. I would love for them. Um, I actually have another company that I work with in the Philippines. They're an employer of record like Remote and Deal and there's others like that. They are very dedicated to the Philippines. They have a local HR team. They have a local finance team. I'm happy for my customers to continue with the developers through them um, and will facilitate yeah. that. Absolutely. Love it. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, Mark, I, I appreciate your time and for, for, uh, for detailing a lot about this because I think a lot of people, there might be some opinions, right? There might be people that say like that just, that just don't believe it, but like I will stand on it. Yeah. I think like it's better if you're, if you're just starting out, it's better to hire remotely from the Philippines. I 100% agree for a ton of reasons. One, because they're probably better than U.S. Mm -hmm. people. Um, I can't speak to European, but they're probably better than U.S. people. And, uh, and you, you get access to build genuine relationships with people on your budget and get to make a lot of progress 
in a very unique way and the amount of dedicated like I, I've built friendships with people um, through this and it's yeah. just like that, that's it's very it's I did not understand it did not think it was possible but it is very possible and I think um, now that I know it whenever I see someone hate on it or down talk outsourcing mm-hmm. I I just I just don't believe it I'm sure there's I'm sure there's different relationships every, every country has good people bad people every culture has good things and bad things right but like the reality is the i think what you're doing is incredible i think what you're giving people access to is incredible uh the lives you're helping build the the families you're helping to support that's awesome and i I think uh more people should access it and if there's anybody in the tech space that that needs it i I encourage you to reach out to mark so mark where can people find you how can people connect with you so best way is uh well linkedin uh mark warmcore of course there's our website tyree.co um yeah, so those are probably the best two ways to uh, to reach out and get in touch. Um, awesome. Talking about what you just said, I still want to answer the final question. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> I probably have a bit of a different worldview. Uh, I mean, I'm from the Netherlands. Netherlands is like tiniest country in the world, about 20 million people. Um, I have worked with people from the US, of course, quite a bit. But I've worked with people from all over the world. So, I mean, in my past jobs, I had a team that was in Brazil, that was in the Ukraine, that was in India, that was in the Philippines, that was in Australia. I've built friendship with people in all of those countries. Um, I, yeah, I don't really see myself as a, as a Dutch guy or, I mean, for me, Australia is just around the corner. Um, I had a team there. I had somebody working for me there. And yeah, friendships are close by. I don't think it's that far off. So, uh, yeah, I have a very small worldview. I think. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I hope. I hope. Uh, I hope people kind of can have their perspective enhanced to to agree with this. That that uh, there's value. A lot of times we think about it and we think about our perspective in our world and our culture, um, and we neglect the fact that there's ways that we can contribute and. Uh, collaborate with people in other countries in, in, in positive ways. So uh, thanks for your time, Mark. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. See you in the next one.